0: Hi, I am Andrea, and this is Empowered by Darkness, a podcast for anyone seeking to dive deep into all parts of themselves, especially the darker ones, to become empowered by the integration of these into uncovering your unique expression and purpose. Here we shed light on the self-hatred, the resentment the need for validation and saving, the fear of being loved, the illusion of power and damaging patterns, and many more topics that will challenge you to bloom wherever you are currently planted. Welcome to your life's work, take a seat, and let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the Empowered by Darkness podcast. We are now in a new year. Happy 2024. It is only appropriate that I would come back after weeks of being gone (laughs) at the start of a new year. Um, If I would have known that I would have been away from this platform for the time that I have been, I would have told you guys on my last upload, see you next year. Because we are now starting off this new chapter. And I thought it was only appropriate to pretty much have this episode up by the first day of 2024. Um, I'm right now recording on December 31st of 2023. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't close out this year in any other way because this podcast has just meant so much to me um, as a creative project. As a way of connecting with listeners and I feel very fortunate to be able to do it for another year and do it really indefinitely so today's topic I really want it to be a powerful one because when we start off a new year even though it's just the continuation of time there's just this anticipation that's collective really about beginning again and The topic for today is all about how can we, as human beings, work on being seen and really putting ourselves out there in a way that we are accepted and we are championed and we are experienced fully as we want to show up. So this is a very loaded topic, but it's a very important one because... No matter what happens in 2024, when we feel that we are being held and accepted for who we we are at our core, it really sets the tone for anything that can occur in the upcoming months. So really, today, I wanted to dive in with you into how we can do this and what what actually happens when we are seen, what changes, what becomes like this thing that's set in motion from finally being able to reveal our true authentic selves. And you can hear fireworks in the background and that's because I am recording on the 31st and people are welcoming in the new year in a very different way from recording a podcast. (laughs) So what does being seen mean to you? For the sake of this episode, being seen is having the external world recognize who we want to show up as from a core level and accepting this version of us. So what do I mean by a core level? I really mean the question, who are you? And I don't mean who you are as in what is your occupation or your family role or even your gender unless these are things that mean something to you. Before engaging in the physical act of being seen, we really have to pinpoint what it is that we want to be viewed. And this is where who you are becomes significant because you will only be seen to the degree that you view yourself. To the degree that you give yourself space and value. And you give that value to the parts of yourself that you want other people to notice and associate with your identity. So doing this kind of work of first being the first individual to see yourself, it really encompasses more than 50% of accomplishing quote-unquote being seen by others. Because when you first uncover the parts of yourself that feel authentic to you, you provide them with space for expression and acceptance of their value. And not only your life, but also that of other people. So this is what you do. You end up embodying and emanating what it means to be seen. It becomes like a second skin that exudes to others meaning because it is already meaningful to you. Therefore, they have no other choice but to treat it as important as well. And of course, only the right people tend to do this. Not everyone is going to champion you. The right people will more often than not be individuals that are on their own journey to being fully expressed. And this is something that on our paths, we come to accept. At different times, for instance, for me, it took took a while to accept that, you know, certain people in my life needed to fall away when I began to champion aspects of my personality that just, for me, were no longer negotiable. They just needed to be shown because they made me feel safe and they made me feel Like I wasn't kind of selling out to an idea that someone else had of me that was comfortable to them. Because the people that truly love you and truly cherish you will not ask you to sell out those aspects. So at a core level, to just reiterate, it simply means that we are looking beyond the surface. We are observing what are the parts of ourselves that perhaps we've never out outwardly expressed. I don't know what that was. My voice is very weird, like stuttering because I'm sick. (laughs) So sorry about that. So for instance, these parts could be our creativity, our spirituality, our silliness, our playfulness. So these kinds of parts of us, they feel meaningful and leaving them hidden would quite literally suffocate us. With the passage of time, they would end up taking away from our unique light. And perhaps you don't know just now what these qualities are because I didn't know when I began looking, and that's completely normal. I like to think that a way of pinpointing these is imagining the moments we have come alive fully in our lives. So what parts of ourselves were being shown in these moments? So think about your like an instance in your life when perhaps someone noticed it and they pointed it out. Like I remember I had a time when I was in college and I was like at a friend's gathering And I was dancing and I was really just being silly. I was being lighthearted. I was showing this part of my personality that I didn't know was yearning to be expressed. It just kind of came out because I felt safe in the environment that I was in. And I remember a friend just looking at me and saying, Oh, I didn't know you were like this. I wish you were more like this when we gather for parties like this because it's very cool that you can express this way I mean she said it in different words obviously this was years ago so they couldn't be the exact words but I remember the sentiment was I didn't know that this was important to you and it's actually really cool to see you come alive in this party when you were usually like kind of a, like a bystander, like you were kind of in the sidelines. So in that moment, I started thinking, actually, like, I really value this about myself. I value, like, showing that I can be silly and I can be playful and I can also be the person that jumps on this podcast and talks about topics that are quite deep and quite, um, at times, spiritual. So I started thinking, like, I want this to be a part of what other people celebrate in me and I don't want to feel like I need to be kind of condensed into one thing because we're all so complex and I don't know this part of me just became meaningful so I wanted to talk about why we are even recording an episode on being seen like why is it important and we actually hear it a lot that people that enter relationships treat being seen as a very important quality that they look for in partners. I'm sure that you have heard people like express, literally, I want to be seen by my significant other. And that's a very, like I said, loaded term, like, what do you mean by being seen? So, I think this comes up mostly in romantic connections because of the intimate nature of them and it usually like natu- naturally leads to parts of ourselves coming up that aren't readily shared so not all partners will see you this deeply but either way because they themselves are in the connection you know trying to have an element of you seeing them at an intimate level. You know, they're, they're also striving for that. There's always going to be instances where you have a partner that, you know, hasn't actually met themselves quite that deeply or because they, you know, haven't expressed that which they're seeking recognition for. There's... The possibility that in a connection, they just don't have the capability to see you in the way that you want to be seen. So, even though that's what we hear in connections, like I I crave being seen by another, you know, a lot of the times it's not the case. And that's mainly due to the connection that you have with yourself. And you bring that to any relationship, not just a romantic one. So... Really, this whole term of being seen goes beyond the partnership realm. And I truly believe that a person can be seen by the people they surround themselves with, their chosen circle. And they can even be seen by the spaces that they occupy that are significant to them. Like their job, like a religious group, their family, a particular team. So the reason it matters is because it is the beginning of a new life for ourselves. We're recording this on, you know, a new year. So there's new expectations, there's new opportunities ahead, and there's new people that can finally take root in this soil that we have decided to water and showcase. And this soil is what can birth the self that we want to gain visibility for. Because it matters to us that it's seen and appreciated. And let me just make a quick note that it's actually not about being validated. This is not the same as being seen. Because validation is what we desire when there's no acceptance of what we want others to take notice of. So when there's first and foremost self-acceptance and value of these inner parts that we're bringing, and outer parts as well, there's no need for validation. There's only a desire for the rest of the world to treat us like we have finally learned to treat ourselves. And we want the world to view us like we have learned to view ourselves. So how do we go about it? I'm going to read this quote from Lebo Grand. And it says, your soul requires seeing, but it cannot be truly seen until you are willing to be vulnerable. I remember when I first started looking at the concept of vulnerability, it was fascinating to me. And I remember I read a lot from Brene Brown, um, who's done immense research on vulnerability. And the way that Brene Brown defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So in her research on vulnerability, she has actually found two main things that are associated with being vulnerable. So the first one is that vulnerability is at the core of shame, fear, and struggle for worthiness. And these are all things that prevent you from being seen or feeling seen. And then the second thing is vulnerability is the birthplace of joy, creativity, and belonging. Which are usually aspects that we associate with finding your identity and solidifying that. So you can show it to others and have it be championed. So... Vulnerability is like this powerful key toward self-realization, which simply means that it's a very powerful way of stepping into your highest potential. And I hate that a lot of people associate vulnerability with a lack of power and strength, as we you know, conventionally understand what being powerful and strong means. Because, actually, vulnerability is one of the purest forms of expressing strength. Because it does not shy away from what is challenging to look at or to express. I don't think you can truly be seen without welcoming an element of vulnerability into your life. And I'm sure that you know that there are different kinds of vulnerability. So, you can be vulnerable in relationships. One of the ways that I have been vulnerable is I have acknowledged the fear of abandonment and I have communicated this before in a partnership. You can also be vulnerable in your profession. Um, One way that I have really done this and I've been transparent on the podcast, I have accepted that I do have an imposter syndrome and I do have this sense of not being enough a lot of the times in my professional accomplishments. So I think the one that we really need to look at for this episode, even though all are important, is vulnerability as it pertains to really being vulnerable in your mind and your body. What do I mean by this? So a lot of people nowadays, and it pains me because I remember when I first started looking at vulnerability, I felt kind of like an outsider. I remember I would post on my social media about the immense personal power that you can find in sitting down with yourself and just being completely honest about the way that you feel, the way that you see your circumstances, and sometimes that honesty can look like anger, can look like frustration, and... It can reveal some ugly truths, but when you're honest and you just kind of let go of expectations that you have set for yourself or that other people have, and you just let it all on the table and you allow yourself to feel whatever needs to be felt, it is an opening. It literally creates space for more to come in that's been kept at bay. Because you have closed yourself off to the possibility of something falling apart. And things are always falling apart and coming anew in life. And they happen most of the time outside of our control. So when we're able to take this ownership of something breaking, like the breaking of this kind of wall that we might have built in order to keep yourself feeling in control you know, you purposefully break it and there's suddenly space. And I always talk about this like metaphorical space in my podcast. And just to bring it to you in a tangible way, I wanted to give an example for my life. The first time that I was truly vulnerable with myself and then with other people was when I, I was in college and I had become so fed up with instances in my educational experience in which I felt like I and other people that had a similar background to mine were at such a big disadvantage in many of the experiences that we were having in classes and whenever we would, you know, have these this, like, playing ground where, you know, our, our instructors and everyone at school sold this playing ground as being even for everyone because we all had the opportunity to pursue internships, to pursue, you know, studying abroad and just these opportunities for excelling and for growth. And I was really tired of always having to, on the sidelines, you know, behind closed doors, be trying extra hard, you know, to just keep up with my classmates, my peers because of circumstances that were outside of my control like I remember I was juggling two jobs when I was an undergrad and I was also like going through some things that were happening at home like I have a single mother and you know I was sending money back home and I was I had imposter syndrome because all my life I had struggled to believe in the worth of my contributions because I had come from, you know, a background that, first of all, I had experienced trauma in childhood that made me believe that what I had to share wasn't worthy, but also, you know, just I grew up in low-income communities that it was just very difficult to believe that once I stemmed from that low-income background and I went to a private elite college, that I would have something to share that would be as worthy as what somebody else had to share that had been living in that kind of environment all their lives so all these things were like boiling up inside of me and then the pandemic happened and I was back home in all of the circumstances that I just share that felt like very difficult and impossible and I was being told like you need to perform like everybody else that is back in their homes that are you know, very privileged and they're able to, obviously they have their own issues. I'm not saying that like, you know, woe is me. I was the only victim, but there were very real obstacles that were preventing me from performing at the same level that they were. And, you know, I didn't have my own room. I never had, you know, time to really study. Like there were many challenges that I had. I was also a caregiver, you name it. So there was a time where I was just I sat down with myself, and I journaled about this, and I'm like, I feel so angry. I feel let down by the system, by the educational system. I feel let down by myself, you know, for not being able to advocate for me, and I just felt like I had purposefully shut myself out. I had created these barriers, and I was experiencing the the impact of all of that silently. Like, I wasn't saying anything. So, I reached a point where I was like, I need to write this down and communicate it to someone outside of myself because I'm pretty sure that someone is going through the same experience and they're not saying anything. And this is such a big part of my identity. So cue that word in to what we were just talking about, you know, what does it mean to be seen? It's truly coming to a core image of everything that's meaningful to you. And this was meaningful to me. And I knew that it had to be meaningful to another soul that was out there. You know, either part of my school or just in whatever environment they were in. So I drafted an article. I remember the article was called A Mindful Education. And I said everything that was going on. I was very vulnerable. I remember talking about, like, my parents' um, school level. like, Like, saying that my mom had only studied until the third grade and my dad as well, like, he, he didn't finish elementary school, and I knew that most of my peers, like, their parents had very important jobs, like, they were, like, nurses, they were, you know, they were engineers, they were just in very, like, profitable careers, so, like, I remember I revealed many vulnerable parts of my life, like, the fact that I shared a room with, like, three other people, and, you know, it was just, like, talking about those things, it was so empowering because I was kind of like in this like mentality of, at this point, this is better than staying quiet. Because I know that, yes, yes people are going to look at what I'm saying and misconstrue it because everything is always misconstrued, even if it comes with good intentions. But I put out the article, one, for myself and two, for anyone that could be in a similar circumstance and felt like, darn it, I can't show this because... It's gonna either be like pushed to the side or I'm gonna be criticized for it, you name it. And actually, when I put this out, there were some educators in my school that didn't wanna publish it because they, for whatever reason, and I knew the reasons, I knew that it was what I was saying was not depicting the institution in the best light possible because they were claiming to create an even studying ground for everyone but it was very clear that the ground was still uneven and I knew that publishing the article for them and them putting their face behind this was saying like we're not able to fulfill this this goal of ours but I really kept pushing for it to be published and when it did it really empowered me to just keep looking at different aspects of myself that I had like disenfranchised like i you know, for whatever, you know, particular experience that I was having at the time that led me to ignore these parts. I reviewed them and I really allowed myself to to take a closer look at myself, like I said, mentally and emotionally. And that's a big part of seeing yourself in a vulnerable light. So, From this whole anecdote that I just gave that was longer than what I wanted it to be, I really want to pose the question, you know, when was the last time that you checked in on yourself? How are you feeling right now? And becoming more aware of your thoughts, your emotions, and your physical self, it builds your comfortability with being vulnerable. It opens you up to showing up more consciously in your everyday life. And there is no longer this like shying away from the way something makes you feel and what it moves inside of you. Because then you become this expert in, in you and in all things you. And it empowers self-expression because it feels truthful to acknowledge more than others normally do. So in other words, you see yourself and you seeing yourself inspires you to show up in a way that makes others inclined to view what you have noticed and acknowledged as worthy and Brene Brown says when we choose to be vulnerable we recognize that we are enough and instead of waiting for someone to say that what we have to offer is worthy we simply offer it in an intentional way knowing that the right people will respect it and cherish it to be vulnerable doesn't mean to expose all of our lives down to the nitty-gritty details. I'm not talking about full self-disclosure because even in this podcast space that I have created where I talk a lot about my life and I give examples from personal details, I don't share everything and I don't intend to ever do so because a lot of the things, like, I'm currently um, in grad school studying to be a therapist and one of the things they tell us when we do role plays um, with other classmates, they tell us not to share something that we haven't fully processed. And there are many things that I'm still in the process of, of really working through that have happened in my life. And there are some that I have worked through for the majority, or for the most part, but I don't want to bring them to this space yet because it's just, I'm not ready to share them. And there are parts that I really take comfort and keeping for me. And I don't mean that vulnerability is this full self-disclosure. It's self-disclosure with a purpose, with an intention. And honestly, there's an element of discernment discernment that we exercise whenever we do this sharing. So I wanted to give some practical advice because whenever we talk about concepts like being seen like feeling your emotions, like sitting with your thoughts, they become so abstract that no one wants to do them or no one wants to be bothered to look into how to do them. And this is not a criticism, like, I get it, you know? Um, But some practical advice that I would give to start looking into these things is I encourage you to find a daily practice that allows you to listen to yourself, and exercise this vulnerability that we have been talking about, and it doesn't have to be a complicated practice. Just simply taking some time out of your day to connect to your tu- to your truth, to what's, you know, inside of you that's yearning for you to listen to. A practice like yoga, meditation, just five uninterrupted minutes of sitting with your morning coffee or sitting out in nature or sitting in your car while you're waiting to go into work or to go into school or whatever commute that you have, where there are quite literally no electronic distractions, only your thoughts and only you. And my advice, feel what shows up. Sometimes we have to be pushed to extreme life circumstances like health difficulties or experiencing something traumatic, for us to really find comfort and stillness instead of being cynical about it or, you know, kind of saying that you never have time for it or that there's no point to it. Like, I've really seen people in my life that have experienced very difficult events in their lives and they have found a new respect for sitting still for five minutes and just sitting with their thoughts and, and not rushing to distract themselves. Because when you have like something so out of the blue and difficult and pressing that comes your way, it occupies so much of you emotionally that you start really yearning for just stillness. I know that I have. In my own life experience and i i just hope that you don't have to be you know pushed to discover the power of stillness through that because obviously i never wish upon anyone that they have to experience something traumatic to discover mindfulness on the other side so for most of my listeners you know that that don't have a still practice and that haven't undergone a pressing experience like the ones that I described. Just practicing discipline in choosing something and sticking with it for the long-term goal of showing up more freely and more embodied. That's the key. Having discipline. And having faith in what you're doing and not being cynical about it. I know so many individuals that are cynical about taking 5 minutes out of their day to just meditate on what they're feeling because they think what's the point? There nothing's gonna come out of it or there's really you know, I'm not they think that what they're doing is not conducive to what their goal is because they're viewing their goal as something that they're gonna get like right away, like a short-term aspiration, but seeking to be seen. I feel like you're going to be doing this all your life. I don't when I come on this podcast and I talk about it, I never intend for any of these things that I bring up, these topics to be a one and done deal, like growing into the most embodied version of you is probably going to happen throughout your entire life. And I think that's beautiful. I I don't get dissuaded by that because like Why would you want to be done with being embodied in, like, the next year, you know? I want to constantly be evolving and growing and morphing into whatever comes up for me. I think that's inspiring. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's food for thought for you. Like, would you want to just be done with evolving in the next year or so? Or would you want it to be a lifelong process? Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Another tip that I have for being seen in this year and like beyond is accepting that we are multifaceted beings because this really liberates us to feel worthy of being seen at any given moment. So even when you are going through a period of your life in which you feel disempowered, having the courage to be open about the parts of yourself that are shaky during this time, it brings an element of realness and depth to who you are. Because you are embodying the full range of human emotion and experience, as opposed to just one side of the palette. And someone, I can assure you, will feel themselves identified with you. And that is just the way that life works. Because as individuals, we move in these unique trajectories that have assured pitfalls and assured successes, and being able to sit with the parts that aren't yet fully realized, and they're still kind of goo, you know, like when you're, like you know when baby chicks are about to be hatched, and they're still in like this kind of gooey form and not fully, just, they're not there yet, they're still being realized I don't know, it's just being able to sit with the discomfort of being in that gooey, yucky, I don't want to say yucky but, you know, just not pleasant um, state being able to sit with that and say you know what, if I were not in this form first, I wouldn't be the full chicken, like I wouldn't be realized, so it's just a part of the process I think the metaphor that I used wasn't the best one But you get what I mean. Like, I didn't want to use the butterfly example because everyone uses it, like being in a cocoon and then, you know, like being a chrysalis and then being a full-realized butterfly. But you have to have every stage. You can't just jump from one to the other. And not a lot of people can come onto, like, platforms like this one, a podcast, or just anything. Like, voice it to the... People around them. Not a lot of people can come and say, I'm standing in my like yucky, gooey formation face, and I am proud of it because this is a part of who I am. And you're probably going to be in this face, like, if not, you're already on it, and there's meaning to it. Like, you can't just skip through what's naturally part of your process of evolution. So, similarly, you can be one thing, and at the same time, be another. So you can be outspoken, but you can also be reserved when you feel a personal need to retreat and reassess your way of communicating. I know that I have been both, and I have been proud of being both, and wanting to be seen for being both, because I hate being placed in a box of... Oh, she's very outspoken because she has a podcast. But I also, I'm pursuing a career in which what I do most of the time is listen. And I am very proud of that aspect of myself. Because it shows that I can intuitively pick up on when I need to stay quiet. And when I need to chime in and help another process whatever they're going through. And changing rapidly doesn't mean that you don't have a solid identity or that you don't know who you are. So for the person that's on a journey of growth, they recognize this to some extent because change is simply a revelation of more layers to your persona. The fact that one aspect of your identity is more prominent than the ones from your past doesn't mean that these past aspects aren't still a part of you. In fact, they had to be a part of your trajectory for the current version of you to exist. And making peace with this and exercising vulnerability and acceptance for this truth, it is a powerful step toward being seen because you gain depth as a person. You also gain the ability to see yourself with respect through changing seasons in life and you inspire others to do the same. To give you an example of this, because I know it's another abstract statement that kind of needs to be grounded. So, for instance, in my past, I used to be very driven by constantly being in connection with other people. I was a people person. So, I had a lot of friends and, you know, relationships that I was very fond of. And I, I was a giver in those connections. Like, I really enjoyed being in community and being able to interact with others and the exchange and what you got from that exchange. It was an energy. It was just a state of being that was very enjoyable to me at the time. And I mean, for whatever, there were purpose... Like, purposefully, I was doing a lot of those things for the wrong intentions. Like, at the time in my podcast, I've spoken about it. I was using connection as a distraction from uncomfortable emotions but outside of that you know I had come to base my identity on being able to give to other people in connection and being able to just get a lot of liveliness and and I felt very embodied whenever I was with these friendships that shared a lot of my interests So then when, through the passage of time and through committing to healing, I went through a period of isolation and I became more of an introvert. I remember that I felt like kind of that part of me that was more in community had kind of died a little bit. Like, I don't know how to explain it, I just felt like my identity was shifting. And I started to think very one-sided, like only one thing could be me. Like, either I was an introvert or I was this person that loved and got a lot from being in community. So then I had to, like, reassess, like, make peace with the fact that these were all parts of me and I wanted them all to be seen equally as worthy. So then, that's when the whole multifaceted thing comes into play. Like, we are different, we show different parts of ourselves and and they come to life a lot of the time. At different phases in life that need those parts to come to life. Like, my isolated face needed to come to fruition when I was in the depths of healing deep trauma because I couldn't be in community. I just couldn't be as lively as I normally was with other people when I was looking at like childhood trauma that I faced, like when I was 10. So, what I mean to say is, they were still a part of me. They were just being expressed at different times and I didn't need to, like, forgo one for the other. So my next tip is when you are trying to get on this path of, of trying to see yourself more deeply and having others view you, I recommend finding something to help you stay connected to who you are. So I've actually found that creativity is a very powerful avenue. For remaining committed to viewing yourself fully. So kind of being free from the inhibitions of the ego and the outside influences that we are constantly being bombarded by, you know, creative endeavors kind of do this for us. They help us free ourselves from the inhibitions that our ego brings or something else like our family or friendships the social circles that we are a part of, creative endeavors, they fill our cup and they bring us face to face with what's happening inside of us. They help this information be channeled into something physical that reminds us that there is value in truthful expression of our innermost parts. So it isn't just some abstract thing that we could look at momentarily and then drop Because there's no place for it in the practical world. It actually does have a place. Just think about anything creative that you have seen. People channeling their emotions into artwork. Into writing. Into music. Into dance. Into pottery. Just There are so many avenues of creativity that are expressions of the innermost parts of ourselves that are important. And they're important because we took the time to make them into something physical for that for the world to see. Why else would we have done it? You know, they're I mean obviously we don't do it because we want the world to validate it. We do it because they're so important, these parts of our innermost selves, that we just think they're so worthy of having an outward expression as well as an inner one. So I actually think, I was like, when I was recording this episode, I'm like, I really want to bring this up because I don't know if anyone can relate, but I've always really loved, whenever I meet new people, one of my favorite topics of conversation is asking if they have any creative kind of hobbies that they like to do. And I, I like to ask this because they reveal like, the most vulnerable and truthful parts of the speaker, of the person that's in front of me that I'm meeting for the first time. Like, without you even meaning to reveal it, it just reveals it. Like, for instance, when someone meets me for the first time and I reveal what I do creatively, I do this podcast. I mean, this one's kind of, like, it's a little more obvious than other ones because what I talk about on here is, like, quite personal, but... Before I had this podcast, I would share that I wrote poetry. And what is the next question that people ask when you say that? Well, what kind of poems do you write? And what I would always say was, oh, I write a lot about life and just kind of the challenges that you face when you're trying to figure out who you are in the middle of, you know, having a difficult childhood. I would always talk about that kind of stuff because... That informed my poetry, like it was just this natural channel for me. And when people heard it, they got a glimpse into who I really am at my core, without me having to mask anything, and without me having to explicitly say it. It was just me talking about something I like to do creatively. And they couldn't have gotten this about me if they would have just asked me, "Oh, what do you work in? What are you studying? Or, are you single?" You know, these aspects don't really dig as deep into the inner self, the self that reflects and the self that yearns to be seen. So finally, I would encourage you to consider finding ways of sharing your story in whatever way that looks for you in the upcoming year. If you're hearing this, obviously we're already in 2024. So in this year, consider ways of sharing your story and it doesn't have to be a grand gesture like publishing a book or posting about your life on social media it can just be you committing to being yourself and sharing this with the world instead of a version of you that holds back on the depth that adds relatability depth and meaning to you sometimes we have to slow down our responses to those around us in order to begin to consciously make these shifts into what we show of ourselves so if we're speaking really quickly and we are just looking to get away from the conversation or just get by with the conversation we miss opportunities to be intentional and be conscious about what we're saying and Oftentimes what we say about ourselves, it sticks with the people that we say it to, especially if you're making like a first impression or the person really cares to know about you and cares to see what you want them to see. And there are there are people like that. I just f- suddenly got the urge to say that. Like I felt like there were some cynical listeners saying, well, no one nowadays really cares to know who I really am, so I just kind of make like small conversation. But I care. I'm sure that you care if you're listening to this podcast. So the right people will care. And it just sucks that you would be in this cynical state that you wouldn't care to share anymore and be intentional about what you share. So instead of being quick to respond, take a moment to assess the situation and who you are speaking to, a.k.a. if they're going to care or not. And choose to reply differently, genuinely, openly. We choose to go against what would be considered safe and elicit either no response or an unexpected response. And then we opt for what will make us walk away knowing that we said exactly what we intended to. Not with the intention to hurt someone else, but with the intention to not damage ourselves to not abandon ourselves. So over time, it will become easier to pause, reflect, and choose wisely what we disclose. Not with the intent to manipulate or be overly selective, but knowing that not all will be ready to bear the weight of what our souls have to share. And that is fine, that's actually really perfectly fine. These individuals are on their own path And ours is no better or worse than theirs. It just is that at this moment in time for this upcoming year, we are finally choosing ourselves to check in with us, to view us as enough and as worthy of bringing forth deeper layers to ourselves. Because we have an inner knowing that only doing this will start to shift our external reality. Because we will finally be able to do what Brené Brown talks about, and that is to dare greatly, to be courageous. To be courageous enough to see ourselves and to not look away. Because we are wrong to think that others will see us if we don't see ourselves first. I think it's very synchronistic, the way that things work sometimes. Like, when I was thinking about the topic for this episode, I was jotting some notes down. And I was doing some, like, spring... not spring cleaning. What am I saying? I was doing some end-of-the-year cleaning. You know how spring cleaning just kind of rolls off your tongue? So that's why it came out. I was doing some end-of-the-year cleaning and I was listening to a podcast by... oh my gosh, Dakota Cross. I think that's her name check it out. She's amazing. But the podcast was about forgiveness. And interestingly enough, like her topic just matched so beautifully with the topic that I was thinking about recording on, the topic of today. And Dakota mentioned something about abandoning yourself. And I think I've mentioned this topic before on this podcast, but the way that she brought it together was, you know, abandoning yourself it's really, like, the worst thing you can do. And a lot of people, they desire to be seen, but they never want to be in a position in which they can be vulnerable. So then, like, how can you have one without the other? You know, I I really think it's very difficult to have this ability to be seen without first stepping into... The parts of ourselves that are difficult to hold space for. And Dakota mentioned something about like when she abandoned herself, it was like she was allowing things into her life from a space of like wanting to avoid sitting with herself and wanting to avoid feeling her emotions. And it's not like I'm saying these things. And and she said it beautifully. She was like, I'm not like reflecting on this to punish myself because of my past decisions it's to do better it's to finally turn the page and i think her resolution for 2024 was um to just be there for herself in every way possible and that's like the simplest way of summarizing how to be seen be there for yourself show up for yourself and just freaking radically love everything that comes up because that's how you champion yourself and others can start to learn the ropes of your your thinking about yourself and your feeling about yourself because you have that power over others. You know yourself better than anyone and it'll be a shame if you would abandon yourself one more year to be seen in a way that didn't touch the core of who you know yourself to be. So that's the end of today's episode. I am so happy to be back and excited for the episodes of this new year. I have a lot of things planned for you guys. I actually sat yesterday and I was doing some planning for the podcast and I, it was like the butterflies came all over again, you know, of planning this project, like when I first planned it and I uploaded my first episodes. It came back all over again and it was so exciting and I fell in love with it again and I just can't wait. So if you like this episode, please leave a comment, leave an emoji, leave a rating if you would be so kind to take the time out of your day to do so. It means the world when you guys do that and it it brings the biggest smile to my face and I'm just so grateful I'm wishing you a beautiful 2024 filled with everything you desire for it to be filled with I love you thank you talk to you soon bye there is no right time to begin working on the parts of ourselves we may have neglected for the majority of our lives If you're here, it is for a reason. I am so proud of you for asking the tough questions and delving into what comes of these. May you find the deepest healing and transformation on this path. Thank you.